It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I've been thinking about what we could change to make the United States a safer place. Changing gun laws so that we're more safe. Changing how we think about radicalization. After El Paso, after Dayton, you might be feeling like nothing ever changes. But I write about cities in design for Slate, and there's one thing that is definitely changing. The way we design buildings. I'm Henry Grabar, filling in today. Hi, Henry. Hi, Janine. And that's Janine Katab. She's one of architecture's most vocal practitioners on this subject. You're an architect, right? Yeah, I'm an architect, and I focus on educational spaces. So schools, K-12, higher ed, the whole slew of learning environments. I want to ask about how you got into this work, which might be kind of a heavy question, because I read that you were a student at Virginia Tech in 2007, Yeah. I was already an architecture student. I was a third year uh, at Virginia Tech. And the shootings happened in 2007. It was a hard time. I knew four people who were killed during the shootings. One was a really good friend of mine. We were co-choreographers together for a dance troupe. The day before the shooting was our huge performance that we had been practicing for the entire year. And uh, the next morning, we found out that my friend Rima Samaha, she was one of the people who could not be found. And we spent the entire day waiting and waiting and watching the news and calling around trying to see if anyone had found her. And finally, around 8 p.m., we heard that she was one of the ones that was taken. That's awful. I'm, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it, I mean, it It's really starting to become the norm. I kind of almost feel like I'm a part of a community, in a sense, this kind of really sad community. And I think for me, focusing on um, school safety and design really is a, a coping kind of mechanism in some way. After college, Katab wanted to understand what school safety looked like in places where a quiet day in the classroom could not be taken for granted. So she went to Israel and Palestine. She saw schools that looked more like bunkers. You know, very narrow windows, uh, really tall metal walls and barricades. But when Katab talked to students, she found that studying in a fortress does its own kind of harm. The buildings started to become the second layer of trauma. And so... You know, the percentage of students who are actually succeeding is very small. This, the search for an alternative to this kind of fortified design, is what really animates Katab. She saw buildings designed to help people survive, as if that were the best we could do. You know, if America continues along a trajectory of of fear and retreat, then we will end up in a situation 
where the buildings and the infrastructure that we're investing in are not necessarily places we actually want to be in. I ask myself every day, you know, if Rima was still alive, what would she want? What What are the things that were taken away from her? What opportunities were stolen from her? And, you know, I, I really want these places to be places where kids can still feel excited about learning, can feel at peace, can feel comfort. On today's show, creating schools where students can feel peace and comfort has become the responsibility of architects and not, say, Congress. This is how designers are responding to a time of active shooter drills and bulletproof backpacks. I'm Henry Grabar, filling in for Mary Harris. This is What Next. Keep listening. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Could you, like, walk me through a typical school with a kind of suboptimal dated design? I mean, when you walk into uh, a school that was built several decades ago, the year being asked to renovate or something like that, what do you notice as the problems there? What, what do you what do you see in, in those spaces that the rest of us might not see? Can you walk me through it? Yeah, so... You know, I worked on a project in Adams Morgan, the Marie Reed Community Learning Center. It's a good example. The building was built in the 1970s. It's an old brutalist structure, brutalist meaning built using concrete. So it was a very heavy, dark building. There were very minimal windows throughout the building. The classrooms had virtually no daylight. The building was also built at a time when, in terms of pedagogy, a school with no walls was understood to be you know, the best for students, where kids would be able to run around and engage with one another and, and learn through just kind of interaction with one another. So acoustics were bad, but also because there were no walls, there was nowhere to, to hide to you know, find security within a building. The building had dozens of doors. To the outside. Correct. People could get in from the outside as well as get out. Um, so all of those are access points that are also, you know, weaknesses in your building. Mm-hmm. The former entry of the school was tucked away in this kind of dark nook of the building outside. So we relocated the entrance of the building to something that was more public facing. It was brighter. People could see who was coming in and coming out, building walls inside of the school so that we could start to create, you know, areas for for hiding if we needed to hide away. But then also we integrated a lot of glass around the building. So we demolished portions of the exterior facade and we put in larger windows and that allowed for increased sight lines and visibility to see what if there was a threat that was coming our way. After we spoke, I looked up photographs of the Marie Reed Community Learning Center before and after the renovations. The old building was a hulking concrete mass. The new one is lighter, airier, and more open. You can see into the halls from outside. 
and the classrooms throw light into the streets. It makes the case that security and an open design might not be competing priorities. Still, I was struck by what Katab had said about designing a place for the tiny, tiny chance that kids might need to hide from a shooter. I wanted to know if that decision was hers or if it came from students, parents, and teachers. So I'd say it's a little bit of both. Of course, you know, our our parents and communities, every time they hear something new happens in the news, everybody gets angry. Everybody gets upset. So every parent is going to want to ensure that their child is safe. And every teacher or staff person that has to go and work every single day at a school, they want to ensure that they're going to be safe so that they could do the best that they can with their job. So definitely in those conversations, people express their fears. They ask us, what are you going to be doing? And then at a top level, our clients, the counties and the districts that we're working with, they want to know what we're doing. And there's you know, legislation that's changing the way architects design and the way that our, our drawings get in, uh, approved uh, before they go in for permit. So we're now being asked to ensure that we have uh, a third party reviewing drawings uh, in the state of Maryland and in Virginia to ensure that crime prevention through environmental design uh, theory and practices have been designed into the floor plans and into oh, the wow. building. So this is now the law that you are expected to design crime prevention into your buildings. I guess maybe we should I should ask about that theory, crime prevention through environmental design. Does that have empirical evidence behind it? Do you believe that preventing crime is the responsibility of architects and designers or should be? I I definitely think that it is part of our responsibility. We were taught this in school. Our firms invest in this. We partner with security consultants who are trained in this. I would say it's difficult to kind of prove. There's no no data, but it is something that we believe is best practices. Mm -hmm. I've been reading about some of the specific design changes that have been made in schools, um, both yours and others, that have been designed uh, in the school shooting era. Doors, classroom doors that lock from the inside, shatter-resistant glass, as well as modifications to the windows in classroom doors. I think most people would think of security as usually impeding good design, like in airports, for example, or other highly securitized spaces. How do you make this different? Is it different? Or do these buildings begin to feel like uh, the fortresses that you saw when you were working in the Middle East? It's a balancing uh, approach, right? So there is definitely an industry that is trying to monetize off of this right now. The school security industry is now, I think, like a $2.7 billion industry in the United States. Uh, and those numbers keep rising. So technically, they could probably keep continue to invest in all these widgets and gadgets. And some of them actually are uh, going against the code in some ways, where you might be protecting a classroom against a potential th- shooter. But then if there was a disaster and you had a natural disaster and you had to escape, you know, you're, you're, you're basically putting a blockade in, in your way. I would say the uh, one of the biggest changes actually has to do more with um, once the school is in operation, the training and uh, the use of the building and, you know, active shooter drills are becoming a thing that's normalized now or 
backpacks that are clear or even, you know, bulletproof backpacks. I've started to see that. It's really starting to impact, um, you know, how our students are being trained and using the building and same with teachers and staff. I remember hearing after Parkland that some of the students who returned to the school after the shooting described the process of going through metal detectors, of being forced to place all their belongings in transparent backpacks, and they said, we're the victims here, but it feels like we're being punished. It's true. And it's it's unfortunate that, you know, we have, we take very seriously in this country our liberties, and that's a very sacred thing in our, in our freedoms. And so um, we're in this kind of state, in this era, where uh, everybody wants to be very responsible. Everybody wants to play it safe. Yeah. It, it, one, one thing I want to ask about specifically, it sounds like the perception of a securitized school, I want to bring up uh, this school in um, Shelbyville, Indiana, which was reputed to be America's safest school. Uh, it had a $400,000 active shooter defense system, including uh, cameras with a direct feed to the county sheriff's office and smoke cannons in the hallways. Every teacher here, you have your own panic button. Yeah, we all wear a fob in case there's a security breach. We can push this button and the entire alarm system goes off in the school. The school's secret weapon called hot zones. Exploding smoke cannons hidden in the ceiling. Cops can deploy them in an instant. How do you react to a design like that, which sounds like kind of maybe secure, but also the kind of design that would reinforce um, the idea for students that they're in a dangerous place? Yeah, I mean, I would say that I understand where they're coming from, first and foremost, that there is this kind of desire to ensure that nothing happens. Folks are also worried about liability. You know, talking with different counties and districts, they, they're they afraid, well, what if something does happen? Number one, that would be upsetting, of course. Number two, they're like, well, what if somebody comes after us and sues us and says, well, we didn't do the best that we could when we had that chance and we were building that new school. So folks are investing in different features that may not actually uh, be any value add. So thinking about the building and your site in a very holistic way, not necessarily focusing on the bells and whistles that come after the fact, would actually probably be a better investment and not nearly as costly as some of these other things that that you know folks are trying to sell. What what kind of things are they trying to sell? What are the products that are being sold to fearful school administrators? Yeah, I'm seeing um, rope that is, uh, you know, being hung next to a, a door that you swing around your doorknob to keep the doorknob closed. And, you know, this is like really good, good rope, good fiber. <laughs> um, I'm seeing barricades that can be propped up at the bottom of a door, like a metal barricade that you can flip up and that will keep your door closed. You know, you mentioned the kind of smoke bombs that go off. That's something that's being sold. Glass is being covered up in buildings. So if you had, um, you know, let's say in your in your classroom door, you have you have some glass that's there. Schools are going around and actually taking film, like an opaque film, and covering up the glass so that nobody can see in and nobody can see out. And surely that's a reaction to maybe other shootings, but Parkland in particular, where at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High, we know that the shooter looked through the classroom windows and fired through them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
The shooter enters the stairwell immediately to the right. He's carrying a, uh, a rifle case at that point. There's this grim video. It's a presentation the local police gave after the Parkland school shooting. It shows how the attack was carried out. Green dots represent students. A black dot represents the shooter. Uh, the suspect goes to classroom 1216 and fires from outside of the classroom into the classroom. He strikes four students inside this room, one of which is instantly fatal. Three other Watching this presentation, I can understand why a school would want to cover up any glass in the classroom doors. I was in Texas a few months ago at a security symposium, a day-long conference, and we were listening to uh, district after district presenting their solutions. And it was interesting, the number of people presenting who were now the security coordinator for, for a district who don't have a background in security or architecture. One individual was the facility's maintenance coordinator or director and was responsible for keeping the grounds clean. And that person was then appointed the security coordinator for the entire district just because that person had some additional time on their hands. So they're having to go out into the world and search on Google and you know find information on the internet for how they can keep their district safe. So they're making these entire district-wide uh, solutions and then using summer months to install film on the glass in their in their buildings in like 15 buildings. Janine Katab understands why this happens, but she says that making a school into a bunch of sealed compartments doesn't necessarily make it safer. We design our classrooms now to have some level of glass so that you as a teacher can see, but then also we design areas that are not fully transparent so that we can have hiding places in classrooms. You know, we recommend that the lights get turned down if there is a threat, the lights get turned off, the students are hiding in a corner of the room or maybe in a storage closet that's large enough to hide an entire classroom, or we design secondary doors in classrooms so that there can be an escape route out of that classroom. Rather than having students and teachers being locked inside the room, at least they'll have a place, uh, a way that they can get out. Completely eliminating visibility might not always be the, you know, the best route. Yeah. It just, it all makes me pause and think how absurd it is to have this issue addressed by architects that the point where we're at is treating the idea of a kid with an assault rifle in a school as a normal issue that needs to be accounted for in design. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's truly heartbreaking and saddening that we're in this era. So the work that I'm doing now, the buildings I'm building now and, and that are getting built today, when folks look back and they say, oh, that building was a reflection of that era, of that time, I hope that the building doesn't just reflect fear and hiding away. And I hope that the building itself can start to be this expression of we still value education, but we don't want to compromise on our beliefs and who we are as a nation. It's a struggle. It's a balancing act for sure. It definitely is. Janine Katab, 
Thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. Janine Katab is an architect at Horde Copeland Macht in Washington, D.C. That's the show. I'm Henry Grabar, filling in for Mary Harris. She'll be back tomorrow. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson and Jason DeLeon. Thanks for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.